0: Okay, bismillah ar-Rahman rahim Let's get started. Um, first of all, I um, I can't believe you've been holding this for 15 years. <laughs> this is incredible. and um, Thank you, and may Allah bless you, because I, you know, maybe this is bad, but I, I honestly, I don't even bother reading the English translations beforehand anymore, because I always feel like it's it's just so unidimensional and not at all like I know we're gonna cover something completely different and it always um, you know like that always happens it's just like it, it just underscores for me again the how unsatisfying uncomplete, how how um, truly like Lacking the English translations are even if you line up ten of them next to each other You can't get at this depth and so I'm so grateful I don't know how we would have this access to this type of knowledge if we if you hadn't gone through everything You've gone through to get to this point Um, So alhamdulillah, and you know it also gives me hope that we were able to cover an immense surah like that in one session (laughs) So maybe there is hope that we can be on schedule or closer to being on the schedule. Um so my first question is on the thicker. Was there a thicker?
1: Oh yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Yeah. It's not I don't think I think this um there's I used, um, where is it? uh, it's uh, ninety, and I've actually used ninety, and I used one twenty five.
0: Uh, I mean, there, there was just so much that was stunning in, in this surah. You know, I just I just want to say thank you again. I really uh, don't even know what to say. <laughs> uh, I'm sure uh, how uh, amazing
1: uh, it was. Uh, thank you for harassing me until <laughs> I, I, I decided to hold these halakhas. I,
0: I think, well. Yeah. I think it's a blessing because if you had gone to your grave without sharing any of this, I think this would have been a major sin. So, but it's like God had to had to take your hearing away to make you focus on it.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe that was my punishment.
0: <laughs> Alhamdulillah, it's all good. I think, I
1: think God needed to grab my attention. So he said, you know, okay, you're not getting the point. I'm gonna take something big from you. Oh so maybe you'll get the point. Just, just for people to know, it's like the,
0: Alhamdulillah I mean, when he lost his hearing, it it, it pushed him to really worship and focus on this, and which led to, you know, opening up the possibility for Project Illumin, and then eventually led to all of this. So, alhamdulillah with with um, hardship comes. I guess blessings for all of us. I don't know if ease, it hasn't gotten any easier for you, but, but it's been an incredible blessing for us. And it's like with this type of learning, when you feel like you're getting a window into something you would never be invited to be part of, um, when you get to feel the touch of the divine and and like a level of understanding that is unreachable to the vast majority of people, I think. When we talk about gratitude, I just – I mean, I don't – it's like I'm beyond grateful, and it just puts everything into perspective when you understand this level of depth. You know, it's like nothing – nothing else should matter. We should just always be in a good mood (laughs) and happy and
1: and grateful. I'm I'm still waiting for the – I'm still waiting for the billionaire who listens to these halakhas and says, okay, you know, I'm going to fund all of it. Well. I'm just. I'm just. uh, I guess I'll keep waiting until I go to my grave inshallah.
0: May Allah present whatever is best. My favorite
1: thought. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Shayan, did you want to start us off?
2: Thank you so much, Sheikh. Um... It it seemed that implicit. In the connection you were making between um, the, the question that you oft repeated, why Ibrahim, and the really brilliant insights that you made regarding the bee and the whole connection between wahi and instinct, and the bee as a brilliant example of of that, um, and I uh, I think the, the part that I don't know if it was implicit or not, but um, something occurred to me when you were talking about Ibrahim as an ummah and like the root word as, you know, the relationship to ummah and mother kind of thing. <coughs> um, and I thought, um, perhaps my question is are you saying um, that the connection between Ibrahim and the bee is that? what really developed Ibrahim into prophethood was that he listened to the internal wahi right he mm-hmm. accepted Tawhid so besides before even going there rationally he accepted the, the moral charge that his intuition was really what was right yep. um, and that's the same thing that the bee does in a sense uh, and that delivered us prophethood really in, in the Abrahamic tradition um, and so I thought maybe you are essentially centering Ibrahim as the queen bee of the colony so to speak mm. that birthed then the future of monotheism through the Abrahamic faith in that you can uh, which which opposed the Jewish understanding of a chosen people by mere genetics rather it's not the genetics that's passed down but rather the the acceptance of the intuition. And the intuition builds these, the hive, so to speak, which you presented. Is that, uh, am I? Yeah,
1: no, I actually, I'm, I'm happy you asked this. Um, Do you mind just yeah, Well, I mean, Shayana is saying that the, the, there's a, the bee uh, has an innate instinct. And that innate instinct allows the bee to build um, the 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 abode, the hive that it it builds. Now, Ibrahim responded to his instinct, and and, and the, the was also. Um, Said something that actually I didn't think of, but sort of the idea of Ibrahim like the queen bee, the 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 the, the mother bee, the the um, and and I like that. I mean, I had not thought of it, um, but the, the Ibrahim is is always the archetype of the pure of of the person who responds to the pure instinct within, and rebels against privilege, the position of leadership that his father, Azar, was um, uh, grooming him for, and becomes unsettled with the irrationality in his society with the gross injustices in society and becomes the 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 father of the monotheist. the 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 one from which the the one from which uh, the ezra line of prophets develops, and, and not just ezra but also the, the, Semitic, the, the Semitic line of prophets because, um, you know, we have the, the descendants of Ismail and the descendants of Ashaq-Murth. Um But the, the core thing is that Ibrahim responds to the fitra within. The key word is that fitra. Like the fitra of the, of the bee. But of course, the fitra of humanity is complicated by the fact that human beings uh, are capable of jadan, are capable, of or in jadal, that human beings are capable of argumentativeness, are capable of deviation, um, and but that that chorus fitra within. Is at the heart of Hanafiya. is the heart of being on the the anchored path. Um, so that that's one thing. The uh, let, let's remember that the other person who also had the same exact Sunnah as the Prophet Muhammad because Muhammad. Is not chosen or is not called upon as a prophet. Uh, he doesn't realize he's a prophet until he's uh, mid age, close to Ibrahim's age. Or, you know, older than Ibrahim, but still within the, you know, close enough. And, but yet he worships the one God in the cave of Hara for a long time before, and he's responding to an instinct. And with Muhammad, we don't even have um, the um, the dynamics of a rational argument with his people. But he just goes and responds to that pure instinct, and that link between Ibrahim, Muhammad, and the innate fitra of the count is core to Surah Al-Nahl. It's it's. It, in fact, some of the most um, beautiful things that you read is when, especially in Sufi esque literature, they talk that understanding that the entire universe is is in a constant state of sujood and constant state of supplication in the memory of the Lord, and it, and understanding that as part of your fitrah is also a central theme of Surah al nahl So, yeah, it's um, and, you know, once you once you articulate it, it seems so obvious that you really wonder oh, it seems so obvious, so I mean, these connections should have been made a long time ago and, and I firmly believe that the earliest generation of of Muslims were receiving the the message and responding to it with the futra, with the prophet amongst them, knew exactly what the message of the surah was. They knew exactly what it was telling them. And the the dream of al-adl wal-ihsan al and remained an ideological um, uh, uh, dialectical throughout islamic history because it, it, the, the dream never vanished the muslim society was always aware that there was an ideal, and that they were always falling short of the ideal, and that they were always struggling to pursue the ideal. And they would embody the ideal in different uh, institutions, historical institutions at different times. So the ideal would sometimes be in Bait representing them, or in the rebellion of Zubair, or in the, Rise of al-Mu'ahideen in, in North uh, in, in the in, in you know North Africa uh, uh, um, the the Empire of Mu'ahideen, and it, it, that it, it never goes away and it was always recognized that failure to achieve al-Adl al Ihsan and so on was a failure. It, it was never accepted as a as a good thing. Um, Ironically, perhaps the first time that I see Muslims trying to philosophize acceptance of of the immoral as legitimate is in the modern age, which is a a, a major retreat.
0: Do we know what the um, what the reaction was at the time of the revelation? That Muslims. I mean, it was a month. You said it was a month before the hijra.
1: Yeah, it was months. Uh, I mean, I'm not sure how many months before the hijra. But if you look at um, if you, you you study the the various narratives about what the that nascent new community thought was morally admirable something that they they praised as you clearly see the 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 fingerprints the the, the imprints of of Sor, like likes and. Uh, i mean um something that uh, as simple as uh, th- this again was a, um there was a, an article that i read on that apparently arabs were not known for f- farming of honey uh, when this surah is revealed they, they they liked honey they you know but They did not export honey. They did not have major honey farms. They did what's really interesting is within the Amalut empire, we start getting reports of Muslims exporting honey and actually exporting different types of honey. Like there was different red honey, black honey, white honey, you know, that is evidence of a cultural impact that means that 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 surah and when you when i think of all the the different mythology in muslim culture that is about or even the statement that became at the heart of center of islam after that that that, that ayah. Um, um, often repeated, yes, often not meant, but it excited the imagination of numerous people. So it, 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 let's remember that Qadi uh, Abdul-Jabbar in his Mughni, that ayah is the center of his entire philosophy about the nature of what is good and what is not good which, of course, is repeated by Thomas Aquinas centuries later. You know, the, the the simple command of do good and avoid evil becomes the center of his natural law philosophy. Um, Qadi Abdul jabbar in his Mughni starts his, his discourse with this ayah, and he says, let's pursue what that means. And he breaks down, OK, so what does Adl mean? What does Ihsan mean? What, and, you know, what does Fahshah mean, what does Munkar mean? And that is, it literally triggers his entire, his entire philosophy.
0: Um, just building on, on Cheyenne's question about intuition, it's interesting that like when we know like babies, you know, are, we say they're closest to God because they're the most pure, and their you know, their fitra or intuition is very strong. So it's it's almost like a message also, and then you think of the bees being being able to do so much based on that intuition. You know, it's it's a really beautiful idea of like when you're trying to purify yourself, you're you're almost like going back to your intuition, your fitra, like the purity yeah. of the baby. Um, and I think that um, I actually the question I wanted to ask was the the picture that you painted was so powerful of everything in the universe being in prostration to God, except for human beings. Yeah. So you imagine a world where it's like everything is just moving in, you know by design in a particular way. If human beings were not around, it would just progress and nothing. You know, it would be as it should be. And then you've got this almost like alien being that has the the power of choice, coming in and you know like almost tainting something very perfect, and running around. You know it could be either for good or bad. But it's a really interesting
1: way of just like yeah, changing it, your your. It, it's, I mean, it's that. But this, this is the whole thing, right? It's like okay, so a human being is placed in in this environment, and they have something that is. I mean either could be the source of incredible beauty or incredible evil uh, and because it, it they partake in something that is reserved only to the divine I mean, the, the ability to choose is only God's and not only choice but the the ability to invent, to create, to imagine. Um, everything works according to instinct, not imagination, and not creativeness. And human beings have the ability to create. And they can create things that you, it all depends on what God encodes. I mean, this is what is truly remarkable. They can take the, the natural laws of sound and create unbelievable tunes. The music they create, but what, they're, not, they're not inventing the properties of sound waves. They're just using what's already there. And they manipulate what's already there, and they can produce music that either can take you to the demonic, or take you to the divine. Even the human body itself, it, if you ever watch people who dance, they're using what is encoded, what is encoded. It's like the various movements of the body. It's, it's already encoded within now, even something like this, it could be used to send a message, a message of elevation, of liberation, of purity, or it could be used to take people completely other way. But it's an, in, yes, the entire universe is in Sujood. And then human beings are placed with this remarkable power. And if they realize that they're sharing in the power of the divine, and be mindful of that, and therefore have humility, that's one way. But if if they are infected with istikbar, where they now say, well, that power is mine, and I will use it as I see fit. Um, then we, we start seeing all the various ailments that come. But the remarkable thing is that God then comes and tells us, yes, but you know what? Coercion doesn't work. Coercion doesn't work. So you have to convince people with hikmah and maw'id al-hasanah, with wisdom, well, that puts a huge burden on the people who want to do so. I mean, you could choose to say, okay, no, I, I, I don't have the wisdom, and I don't have as al-hasan. I don't have good guidance, and I don't have wisdom. You know what? I would respect you more if you did that than if you pretend you do, and you don't. And this is the whole thing, is that because God said coercion doesn't work, and God said, okay, you need to remind, you know, you could, you could, you could remind people that they need God, but if you do, you have to somehow reach their, their willpower and convince them to voluntarily comply, to voluntarily accept. And that takes whatever it takes. It, its Creativity is the limit. Reason is the limit. Knowledge is the limit. And that is why I think when Sheikh Ghazali, Allah al-Hammu, used to say, you know, the, the biggest disaster in the world is an ignorant Muslim. I completely agree. He was absolutely right. A, a Muslim who pretends that they can bring people to the way of God but instead of rising to the occasion of wisdom and good guidance dumbs people down, makes people into morons so that they can be guided, that's a disaster. I think that's a responsibility as well. you know you, you you can't make Allah's followers the stupidest people on the earth. Can you imagine the responsibility in the hereafter? It's like, well, you know, I'm actually ashamed when I think of like uh, uh, all the inventors and all the scientists and all the theorists and all the philosophers and all the, and I think, you know, the number of Muslims as compared to the number of Jews and Christians, I oh, I can't tell you the number of times that I, I keep saying Stukfrullah, for Stakhfurlah because I, I just feel embarrassed. It it can't be. It can't be. It just something is really, really, really wrong. Do um do Jinn
0: have
1: choice? Jinn are a complicated matter um but they live let's put it this way they, they live in a dimension of their own uh, they used to inhabit the earth they don't um i mean they don't they don't have sovereignty over the earth some of them still exist on earth but they're their own kingdom and 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 i i don't know allah doesn't tell us whether allah offered the trust to 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 the jinn we know that they are they have free will. We know, I don't believe the, the reports that say that they are inclined towards evil. Uh, there are a lot of reports that say that they are inclined towards evil. I don't believe that Jinn are inclined towards evil. I think that they are they're, they have free will. But they live in a different dimensions and we should leave them alone. Um, they they don't bother with us unless we bother with them. and when they get involved with us it's not good news so let's just leave them alone okay. i mean you have a question my, my advice is don't marry jen for all, <laughs> for all the the men and women out there that think of marrying Jinn.
3: thank you can you hear can you hear me okay okay um so i just the whole surah you know even though it covered so much i just kept reflecting on the beginning verses and what you covered on environmentalism and you know how with animals, for example, so many tales of wisdom from the Islamic tradition come from animals. And, you know, they they can beautify our lives. They're more than just for consumption. But I think one can argue that every single one of us are complicit in, you know, the exploitation of animals, even if we're just eating fried chicken or something that we are just so adapt to that we don't even think about twice. So obviously this is like a complicated question, but how like what's the next step because you know we talk about how the verse first verse talks about being patient and you know the, the lessons from the quran is uh, they take time to truly understand and you need to be very intentional when you're building the pillars but when you have an issue like this which we can see is actually taken very tr- seriously in our tradition through the number of suras that we've covered and then we see, for example, a lot of atheists are actually leading the environmentalist movement. And, you know, I think uh, a lot of people who study, you know, atheist arguments on environmentalism see that they're actually very unsustainable because essentially they argue for generating like a new system where, we, you know, we can use up and then start a new system, which we can employ. It's just this constant cycle of exploitation, exploitation. But I think from the surah it comes and says, no, you, you can't do that. So I just don't understand, like, how can we take the next step from here in understanding? Because, you know, then there's, there's the arguments of, oh, but then you can eat meat that's killed according to uh, Islamic law standards. And it's like, okay, well, how ethical is that, really, if you look into the, you know, procedures in the factory farms, which even produce the halal meat, or even just going the next option of going vegan, which then you'd have to talk about. Well, how is even you know the vegetation that you eat? How is that even collected? So, and I think these are serious things. At least that I took away from the trap, from the surah that need to be reflected upon. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I think that
1: we need. I mean, you want to
0: paraphrase sir? Yeah, I mean, the
1: question is, 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 is our response, moral responsibility, especially. Well, I mean, and, and we have not We know that in islam cruelty to animals is is one of the the the, the major sins and um, you you cannot even in islam it's we have a whole thing about you you cannot eat animals that have been terrified before death um, uh, i mean the, the problem though is uh, well, let, let's all agree. Muslims have been absent from the world scene since the fall of the Khilafah. I mean, that, that's truth. <laughs> uh, the truth. When the Khilafah was around, Muslims were present. Uh, you know, at least nominally. Uh, yes, colonialism had 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 rotted the Khilafah from the inside because colonialism had uh, uh, even led. Muslims in the Hijaz to rebel against the Caliphate, but nevertheless they symbolically still existed. And then, of course, all the centers fell. India fell. The Ottoman Empire fell. Uh, all the rest, you know, even a place like uh, Egypt that used to carry some weight. You know, Egypt in in the in the beginning of this of the 20th century used to lend money to. European countries now Egypt is a complete mess. Um, so and part of it is that we have not just been absent politically but we have been absent morally and ethically. We, we you know we, we, we basically see whatever ethical discourse develops in the West, and then we apologetically argue that, well, some of it exists in Islam, or all of it exists in Islam, or Islam came up with it first. But we are not, and that's a sign that we don't take morality or ethics very seriously anymore. And and this is this is natural in the sense that this is a civilization that has crumbled, and this is what happens when civilizations crumble. Now, so the key is, okay so how do we assert civilizational values again how do we assert ethical values again and what i we can't pretend that we exist as an empire anymore i mean our discourses have to recognize that we are a very disempowered people everywhere um and I've, what I found very interesting among the um, the the people that I've actually had a chance to study a bit a while ago um, was um, the the practices was um, um, kosher meat. And what I found very interesting is that a lot of a lot of the Jewish laws on kosher meat. I mean, except for things that had to do with fat and so on uh, overlap with Islamic laws. And because there is a serious sizable Jewish community that is is serious about their tradition, they forced industrial concessions. I and when I was in Texas I um the uh, the head of Jewish studies at the department uh, Nelk department of texas was very active in the kosher meat movement in austin and he i don't know he headed all these councils and stuff like that and it was remarkable the the, the industries would give a list of improving compliance with the requirements of Jewish law for the kosher meat that would go into supermarkets. I think it would, instead of Muslims just, you know, but it requires that you engage society and know what society is about and that you you demand that society take your law seriously. I think maybe that's, I mean, a suggestion to a way forward. Uh, I don't think it's, it's going to work to ask Muslims to just be vegetarian, um, even vegan. I mean, there are a lot of problems with, with Muslims in theory would, if Muslim countries actually cared, they have the economic power to make a difference but they don't care. And so we don't expect, we can't expect anything from Muslim countries. Uh, so then we Muslims, especially Muslims in, in, in non-Muslim in the West, have to think in terms of min- strategies of minorities. How do minorities carve up enclaves of empowerment? Uh, and And that's, you know, you don't do that with rhetoric, you do that with science, with social science. Any
0: more
4: questions? Okay. We one more. Thank you very much, Sheikh. Uh, um, just to echo Grace, I mean, what, 15 years you've been sitting on this? <laughs> 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 oh,
1: I'm sitting on other, a lot of oh, other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, I mean, we, we've done, you said 40 surahs? Okay. Yeah. I. I. I mean. I. I. As we. As these halakhas have been proceeding, I've started feeling. Okay. In my defense, can I just say this? <laughs> the quote that Rami was showing me, from um, Ibn Ajiba. The quote where he's talking about that if you, teach knowledge to people, and they abuse that knowledge, then. If you teach people who are unworthy, and then they abuse it. And the, the way I was trained is that you don't teach people knowledge and just dump it. You have to train them. Um, and I knew I couldn't train people because it just... Well... Long story. Yeah, yeah long story. So, so I just thought, you know, okay, so there's no... But yeah, but then I I thought I also thought that well this is also obvious that any Joe Mo well, Joe <laughs> can come along and rediscover it um, until it started dawning on me that my life is running out and and no one has discovered it yet so uh, and I've been waiting. It's, so then, okay, fine, then, yeah. I can't believe you didn't know nobody had
4: discovered it <laughs> uh, This is, I mean, I'll try my best, it's hard to express. This is about, that is about your pillars, your ethical foundations. But the surah, you know, it's talking about caring for the environment, adal. These are principles, values. They're not laws. They're not no. laws. As, and then, as we say, as we know from Qalam and as the Abdul Jabbar says, okay, what does Abdul mean? What does mm-hmm. mean like You build a civilization on principles, not laws, qua laws. Mm-hmm. Now, could that not be the? These aren't mutually exclusive. But towards the end, when it talks about Ibrahim, could the criticism of the Jews not just? It's not only that they tribalized God chosen people but that they took the legacy of Ibrahim in a legalistic mm. direction oh yeah rather than a principled one and therefore this verse yeah. La taqul hada haram, hada halal, yeah. it's not actually that they're wrong you know it could be halal and it could be Haram but it's that it reflects a legalistic mindset a mindset mm. of obsessing about the law, quite like, the law right, right. rather than being pillared upon Isan or Alan
1: yeah, I mean the 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 point that Joe is making is that um, among the criticisms of the Quran uh, is of the legalist the 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 legalistic uh, frame of mind of especially the rabbinic tradition uh, that they became obsessively about hair-splitting laws, about what is halal and haram, so much so that according to the Quran, Allah punishes them by saying, okay, you are so obsessed with legalese, I am going to make you suffer the impact of the constraints that you placed upon yourself. Mm -hmm. And so indeed, there are are actually several commentators who noted that the reference to accept, well, some said that, um, that, some said that the the, uh, the the day of the Sabbath was supposed to be Friday but they wanted Saturday instead but I, I don't know if these reports are not but the, but the reference to the to the Sabbath and the rules of the Sabbath that it was part of their obsession with legalese the all the restrictions and not only that that prohibiting the fact of animals was as a punishment for the legalistic framework of Jews because when they, when it came to the issue of slaughter, they started splitting hairs. Well, okay, but can we use the hair? Can we use the hive? Well, okay, well, can we use the fat? Well, okay, can we cook with the fat? Well, okay, can we eat the fat? So Allah said, okay, you know, you're obsessed with laws, then suffer the consequences. So, it is i think you're absolutely right that part of the problem is not just the tribalism that the legacy of ibrahim um but the um, the ignoring of the the ethical message and the ethical principles so the adl, instead of inquiring about what is real justice you inquire about the forms of justice and the and you cl- you claim that as long as the procedure is correct as long as the legal distinctions are accurate then that's justice instead of f- focusing on the, fa- the the substantive issues of justice and equity in itself um, and I think that if you study the seerah, you definitely, not only the seerah, but even the Quran itself says, you know, don't ask about certain things that, because he, 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 there were others before you who asked these obsessive legal questions and they became burdened by them. Now of course, the the, the sad thing is that um, on that account, I think I can imagine if God was speaking to Muslims today, what would God say? Um, I mean, what is the balance between the legalese and the ethics? I think, It, when, whenever justice just becomes relegated to the institutions of law, which are technocratic, uh, things go awry. Because justice is a social responsibility. Justice is too important to be left to the technocrats of law. And. the more you spend time with Surah al-Nahl, and the more you read in the Sirah and the dreams that were generated, and I use dreams quite intentionally, because it was clear that these dreams and these aspirations are what sustained Muslims for the And that the, although the Amawid dynasty was a huge disappointment in terms of its power structures but culturally the dreams continued to sustain Muslims and it was a blessing that the state at the time of the, that Islam was, was emerging, that the state could not intervene with the lives of human beings the way it can today mm-hmm. that the state basically was a, a capital phenomenon you know, basically the center of power and that's it uh, because it is the, the freedom available to individuals and communities is what created the Muslim civilization. It's not the state. Uh, the, the freedom is what created all the thinking and all the art and all the, tra- even the movement in translating the works of others and in all the, the, the books that were written. You know, how many books were written uh, that were funded by the state? Um, We don't have that until the modern age. Um, Anyway, um, and one of the biggest challenges in the modern age is that we, we have not come to terms with the monster that the state has become. We, we can't think about ethics and morality and justice in society, without completely taking account of how powerful the state and how intrusive the state has become, and to simply you know repeat the formulas of an amr al ma'ruf or al hisba or. You know the, the 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 stuff that you see everywhere you go in the Muslim world, just repeating the formulas of a, of of a, a a power reality that is completely different than ours now, is um, is is betraying the Quran itself, and and you know the, the Quranic impetus. The, this is where it all. Is centered, and this is where it, we have to go back to. Not, I'm, I'm never, you know, i have never been an advocate of throwing just tradition in the garbage can, but to to think creatively to achieve the Quranic objectives that that, that Allah has challenged us to achieve.
0: There's so much in the surah, like as you're talking, like just even remembering, we know we didn't have a chance really to ask you about the, um, the idea of, you know, God gave us money, but we didn't use it to give it to other people who to, to equalize wealth effectively. Which well, is,
1: this, this is the real, see, here you asked me about the effect of surah in Mah, Okay, let's take the rich people, All the rich people at the time that Surah Al-Nahl is revealed and post time that surah post what What is remarkable is that you find all those who lived at the time of the Prophet None of them, none of them, remained grossly wealthy because. All of them gave their wealth. The, the amount of donations were astounding. Now, we know that the, we, we, we look through the seerah, study the seerah up and down, left and right. We don't see the Prophet ﷺ ordering anyone to give up their wealth. But we find numerous, numerous narratives of people who understood that God will not bless them or bless their society unless they are not disproportionately wealthy vis a vis others. that tells us a lot about the impact of the Qur'an. Because it wasn't, we we don't find, we don't find the prophet acting like kings, saying, you, I'm confiscating your property and giving it to this or that. We don't have that. So there are no appropriations, no confiscations. But, there is, so, there is an ethic that was injected in society. Now, but we don't teach it, and that's the problem. We, we come to the Qur'an, all the parts, where it clearly says, I gave wealth to some of you so you can create equity in wealth. And that's, that's the challenge as serious a challenge as to whether you as to whether you pray or fast Ramadan or whatever and we come to these parts and we skip over them you know i've gone through islamic schools all my life how many times have we have attended lessons on the the ethic of redistribution of redistributing wealth to achieve social equity and justice in society very rarely because the state has made it dangerous to speak about that i mean i can tell you that a lot of the shaykhs that were would talk about this they, it was always in whispers because they're always scared of you know the the political implications and so and and, and so we ended up in this b- bizarre thing where, a, you know, you get orientalists like Maxim Rodinson start pontificating about Islam and capitalism, and you know, and, and yeah, but this is this is, um, uh, I, I mean, in it, 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 you have it it a. a, a a Prophet ﷺ, that tells people, if you have a servant, they have to dress as you dress, they have to eat as you eat, they have to live as you live, otherwise, you can't have a servant. Same for a slave. But we talk about the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, all the time, all, all these, uh, you know, grand mufti this and grand sheikh this and grand, all, all the big names everywhere that y- you hear about. And they talk about the Sunnah of the Prophet left and right and, y- 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 and all the pietistic affectations and tasbihat and tahmidat and takbirat and all. But how many of them impart that basic, simple lesson? If, if they, you can't treat them as you treat your family, when I, I got worked on the, 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 the human trafficking case, the, the Muslims who were prosecuted for human trafficking in California, that family, and the, the, the prosecutor asked me why I was working on this case. And I told him because it's my religion taught me that I have to work on this case. And he thought I was just giving him a lie. But I, I truly believe that. They had the servant girl. They didn't treat her like a member of the family. She slept in the garage. She didn't dress the way they dressed. She didn't eat the way they ate. She didn't live the way they lived. So, in my mind, they're criminals. i I don't care whether they wear hijab or not. That's far important to me, far more important to me. That's the Islam that I understand.
0: Alhamdulillah. Thank you so much. Again, I mean, I'm sure there's so much more. This is what's so hard is like every surah is just so
1: important. Um, I'm telling you, this deserves an entire institute. It deserves an army of people doing nothing but studying the Quran. I I am sure that when you go back, when people go back and go through everything I've taught, they're gonna realize I've just scratched the surface yeah. there is so much more but I, I have to someone has to teach me to kiss up to rich people I, I just I don't have that talent
0: <laughs> were you alarmed when when you were doing your research and found that the bee is in trouble
1: yeah actually I well, I I was sort of like thought at the same time we deserve it, but you know it, it's because I'm conflicted between wondering why Allah has put up with human beings for so long, and the other part of me, the the good Khalid. <laughs> there, there, you know, there is a the vindictive Khalid that wants God to doom humanity, and then there is a the good Khalid that prays for forgiveness and patience and says, you know, no, alhamdulillah, Allah is so patient with us. You know, both Khalids exist. (laughs) The duality. The duality, right.
0: (laughs) Okay, on that note, thank you again um, for an amazing surah, and um, inshallah, I hope everybody um, joins us again on on Tuesday, and um, you know, may you be able to sleep tonight after this surah. (laughs)
1: So
2: thank you guys. Thank, thank you. you for staying up for uh, staying alaikum. with us. Salaam alaikum everyone